I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. John here with a short filler episode of Core while Bo and Scott recover. The big video game news this week is that Blizzard and NetEase are ending their 14-year partnership in bringing Blizzard games and services to China. This is the result of deal negotiations and companies failing to come to a mutual agreement. What this means currently is that as of January 23rd, 2023, players in mainland China will lose access to services associated with World of Warcraft, Heroes of the Storm, StarCraft, Hearthstone, Diablo 3, and Overwatch 2. One thing of note is that Diablo Immortal will not be affected, as it's covered by a separate deal. Obviously, the first thing we need to talk about is the people. Regardless of how you might feel about the companies or the people in them, the country or the politics behind it, I think we can all at least agree that for a person just wanting to play the games they love, to lose that is really unfortunate. That's the real cost of all of this. There is, of course, a business side, though, and we should at least look into that because I do think it offers some insight and possibly even a little bit of hope into what may come. First off, what does this mean for Blizzard and for NetEase? If you believe their PR statements, not much, as both sides are greatly downplaying any financial impact. This is unsurprising, but it's also not exactly true. Deals like this, having access to the Chinese market, is a lot of money. Both companies are keeping things fairly amenable about this split as well, although NetEase President of Global Investment and Partnership did write on his LinkedIn page, gamers will have a whole new level of understanding how much damage a jerk can make. It's not clear who he's calling a jerk, and while he likely means on the Activision Blizzard side of things, it's not even clear which party he's talking about. Another interesting thing of note is that despite all this, Blizzard through NetEase is still promising to deliver any promised 2022 content. That means Overwatch 2's second season and World of Warcraft Dragonflight. It's probably even less of a good idea to purchase or pre-order those if you were in China, but it does also clue us in on one thing when you look at all these elements put together. As of right now, terms could not be settled on for an agreement between these companies. And as of right now, services will not be extending very far into 2023. But Blizzard and NetEase are still working together on Diablo Immortal. The companies are currently downplaying the damages, still maintaining fairly professional attitudes towards each other, and still promoting new content to come in spite of this looming end date. To me, that all reads as parts of what will ultimately be ongoing or a new deal negotiation. I would be surprised if a deal is not made before January 23rd. Still, for the people excited to play Blizzard games, this uncertainty isn't fun. And it doesn't feel good to be part of negotiation tactics. Whatever happens, I hope they ultimately do right by them. 
Now, last week, I made a joke that if video games can ever win Academy Awards, then Hideo Kojima will stop taking Jeff Keighley's phone calls. And while I was joking about the Kojima-Keighley part, video games are actually taking a step in that direction. Not for Academy Awards, but for Grammys. Next year's Grammy Awards will include a category for Best Score Soundtrack for Video Games and Other Interactive Media. The nominees for this award are the composers for Aliens Fireteam Elite, Assassin's Creed Valhalla Dawn of Ragnarok, Call of Duty Vanguard, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Old World. While I do have some questions about the criteria needed to be nominated, as these are not exactly new and probably not top of my list depending on how far back we might be able to go, it is still a really nice thing to see this finally getting recognized. There are many video game soundtracks that I would put over most film scores, and it makes me happy to see that recognition happening. Also, this is the first time uh, video games have had a dedicated award, but not the first time that a video game has been nominated or even won. The song Baba Yetu, written for Civilization IV, it's awesome, look it up, won a Grammy back in 2011. The soundtrack for the video game Journey was nominated for a Grammy in 2013, but did not win. And while not exactly directly a game, Charlie Rosen and Jake Silverman won the award for Best Arrangement or Acapella for their take on the Kirby song Meta Knight's Revenge. While the Grammys have been willing to recognize video game music since 2011, it is good to see that these new awards will see game scores recognized annually. One last bit of news for you. We now know what that little device in the background of Phil Spencer's interviews was. It was, as we suspected, a streaming console prototype known as Keystone. In a recent interview with The Verge, Phil said that plans to release the console are currently on hold, with the company's focus now being on the smart TV streaming app instead. So, why is Keystone on the back burner? Well, as Phil Spencer put it directly, it just costs too much. They wanted to hit around $99 to $129 for it, and when bundled in with the controller, it was getting close to the full cost of the Series S console. The project is not canceled, however. They did confirm that they are looking for ways to reduce the price or find a time where it is more financially viable to put out. Personally, if the controller was the issue, I'd be good with the device even without a controller. We actually have too many controllers in our house, but not enough Xboxes. While that's our unique problem, I still think there's something viable about a highly portable version of a thing that's otherwise dust-welded to the entertainment center under your TV. So the controller isn't make or break for me. But if their goal is new users and households, I can see why it's an important component in their eyes. All right. That's going to do it for news, and that's pretty much going to do it for Core this week. We'll be back next Thursday with a hopefully fully recovered crew. Bo has been deep in Marvel Snap, so have I. Scott is just now getting around to playing some new things, and I will finally be playing Spider-Man Miles Morales. I've also been playing quite a few Survivors-like games, if we can call them that. We still haven't really landed on the name. I think Survivors-like is fine. You know. Games like Vampire Survivors. Survivors likes. Anyway, I've played 20 Minutes Till Dawn, Brotato, Soulstone Survivors, and I even got a 100% on Vampire Survivors in its release version state. 
The plan is to give my thoughts and rankings on all of them, but if there are any others that you think I must play before then, let me know on Discord or on Twitter at John underscore Jagger. A huge shout out to our patrons. If you want, you can join them. Make sure you hit up patreon.com slash core show to do that. You can also find all our previous episodes and content at frogpants.com slash core. Contact us at talktothecore at gmail.com or text us at 801-471-0462 or directly on Twitter at corepod. Thanks again, everyone. Be sure to send Scott and Bo all the healing vibes you can spare. And be kind out there. Bye, everyone. Boss will chew my head off if these cores get messed up.